Hello and welcome to the Inner Work Conversation. I'm Nikki Cross and today I want to talk to you about why resting can feel like shit. (laughs) Why resting can feel hard. Now, if you're listening to this episode when it is released, this is due to be released on the 21st of December 2023. So if you're listening to this when it's released, it is highly likely that you are just wrapping work up for the year. You are just getting to the end of your working year and you're preparing yourself for the busyness that is Christmas. And we all know that during that time when the busyness calms down, it is gonna, you're gonna have the opportunity to rest. And I wanna make sure that you've had this in your ear holes before then. If you're listening to this way into the future, maybe even years into the future, at any time throughout the year, I wanna let you know, one of the things that my clients frequently struggle with is this ability to rest. I wanna let you know that sometimes one of the initial things that we work on is their ability to tolerate the discomfort of rest. And that is throughout the year, that's not just at Christmas time or at holidays time. Um, It could be any point in the year. So I really think that the three points that I've got in this episode are really going to serve you regardless of where you're at, just in terms of setting some new expectations around what rest might feel like for you um, and normalizing the fact that sometimes it does feel like shit and let's make that okay. And let's accept that and hold the duality of it. Let's accept that it might actually feel quite difficult and at the same time, it's required. So I've got three points for you in this episode. Let's jump straight in. The first one is a lot of the time rest can feel more difficult than we expected it to. And we're not even consciously aware of it. We, we don't, it's not something that we think about. It's not something that we're very conscious of. We just feel it and we escape it. And a lot of the time we escape it by going back to being busy. And a lot of the time, that's because our expectations are a bit fucked. This is very similar to, I'm not going to talk about meditation in this episode, but this is very similar to people's expectations around what meditation should feel like. I often hear people saying, well, yeah, I can't meditate. And I think that a lot of the time that's because their expectation is that they should feel like sitting still and having no thoughts. I'm not going to go I'm not going to go any further into that. I'm going to come straight back to this episode because I don't want you to turn off at at the word meditation. (laughs) I think that people think this about rest. It's like their expectations are a little bit fucked. You think, typically what I find is people think that rest should feel like what they see on Instagram. Rest should feel like, you know, yoga and slumber and cozy and tranquil and just, it should feel like, you know, you laying in a field of flowers with birds singing down your ear or you laying by the fire and feeling that, do you know what? Rest often doesn't feel like that. Rest often actually feels at first, it can feel like what it is. And I I am going to not mince my words in this episode. I'm not even going to try and say it in a well put together way. Let me say it's sloppy. Rest can sometimes feel like withdrawal symptoms from the addiction to that you have to being busy. I'll say it again because I fucked it. Rest can sometimes feel like the withdrawal from the addiction that you have to feeling busy, to being busy. I fucked it again, but you know what I mean. <laughs> That's the thing. At first, we don't 
actually realise that our expectations of what rest should feel like don't actually meet what is in reality happening. What is in reality happening is often when you start to rest, it doesn't feel very good because what you've been doing is being very, very busy as a means to distracting yourself from yourself. I hear this a lot when people come to work with me for the first time. They will say things like, I've just been avoiding myself and I can't do that anymore. That is often paired with things like, these actual clients' real words, things like, I'm below the list of priority, I'm below the hamster in the list of priorities. And they wonder why that is. And oftentimes it's because they are avoiding themselves and not resting and continuing to be busy is a method of them avoiding themselves. So in their expectations, they're like, oh, I'm gonna have a lovely rest. But what that actually often looks more like is in that moment of stillness, they are meeting themselves. It takes for a lot to be still and to recognize that the busy, the addiction to busyness that you've been having has really just been you avoiding yourself or you numbing yourself out from the things that are really going on underneath there. And I, I want to add some lightness to this episode. It doesn't that doesn't necessarily mean that when you rest, you have to come face to face with all of your inner shit. Not at all. What I'm highlighting in this first point is the discrepancy between what your expectations of rest should be, should feel like, and what they actually feel like are the first thing that is fucking you over. You are thinking that rest should feel a certain way, should look a certain way, And when it doesn't for you, you run a mile from it. You run a mile from it, you continue your busy habits and you don't commit to it. And that's my second point. My second point is a lot of the time resting feels hard because based on what I've just said, people uh, experience that discomfort and they don't do it again. (laughs) They experience the discomfort of rest feeling not very good and, and by the way, not very good can feel like a, such a variety of things bored. People can, like, I often notice that for those people who are very used to the busyness, the drama, the chaos, rest feels fucking boring. So it's not just, I, I sort of missed that out on my first point. It's not just that rest can feel shitty sometimes because you actually are meeting yourself for the first time in a little while. Sometimes rest can feel just bad because it feels boring. It doesn't feel as cortisol inducing as some of the chaos that you're used to. And so my second point in this episode is resting sometimes feels hard because people don't persist. And I want you to persist. I want you to practice resting. I want you to allow the things that need to surface to surface. So for some of my clients, that will be guilt you know, for sometimes, sometimes with my clients, when they start resting, and I'm going to go into in my third point, what resting can actually look like, because it's not all it's cracked up to be, or it's not always what it seems. A lot of the times when my clients start resting for the first time, in short spurts, they feel guilt. They feel the guilt of the to-do list that's that they know is on their desk. They feel the guilt of doing nothing, seemingly nothing, when there's washing to be done or shopping to be done or there's always something to be done. And I say nothing in inverted commas because 
people people will say to me, oh, you know, it's been half an hour and I've done nothing. And I'm like, no, let's reframe that. You haven't done nothing. You've rested. It feels like you've done nothing. But what you've actually done is you've rested. So let's call it for what it is. Let's be honest about what it is. You haven't done nothing. You've rested. (laughs) Now, I want to let you know that this isn't just me speaking to you here. There are certain books that if you want a little bit more of the science behind what I'm saying, I highly recommend books like Essentialism and Effortless by Greg McEwen. And also I want to read a little passage out of a book called Discipline is Destiny by Ryan Holiday. So this is the guy who talks about um, the stoic virtues. And in this particular part of this book, so if you have this book, it's on page 82. I'm just going to read you. It's not, I'm not going to read you everything. I've just highlighted the bits that I want to read to you, but check this out. Um, So he's talking about a guy and a successful guy, right? Doesn't matter who it is. He says this. In response, he began to monitor the sleep cycles of his crew moderate their watch duties, encourage naps wherever possible. Watching our physical health, he would write later, specifically referring to sleep, is an act of character and can enormously help with our ability to perform. Our moments of peak performance rarely come from when we are exhausted, when we're running on fumes, when we are bleary-eyed and dependent on caffeine. And even if they sometimes do, they shouldn't have to. We're at home, burned out after a long day. We've made dinner, we've exercised, we've put the kids to bed, we've caught up on emails. We're so exhausted that it feels like all we can do is veg out on the couch when in fact, one f- we need one final push of discipline, picking ourselves up and walking to the bedroom to pass out. It will solve many of your problems. You're tired, so you don't want to work out. You're tired, so you procrastinate. You're tired, so you need that coffee, so you pop that pill. You're tired, and you make bad decisions that eat up hours and hours of work that should be spent on things that matter. We say, I'm not a morning person, but that is almost certainly because we have been an irresponsible or undisciplined evening person. The best way to master the morning is to have mastered it the night before, just as anyone who has ever sleep trained the infant learns sleep begets sleep. So too does discipline beget discipline. Early to bed, early to rise, under the blankets is no way to fame, and yet paradoxically, getting under the blankets consistently, reasonably, without delay, is is the way to fame, or at least to solid performance once one has leapt from bed and out the door. You want to think clearly tomorrow. You want to handle the small things right. You want to have the energy to hustle, go to sleep. Not because your health depends on it, but because it's an act of character from which all our other decisions and actions descend. I think that's a really interesting consideration point. I often hear things like, oh, you know, I'm too busy to take that rest or I'm too this to sleep or I'm too that. And it's like, when you really think about it, And I've actually posted about this on Instagram as well. People think about discipline as the discipline to get things done, the discipline to hustle, the discipline to do things. When actually, sometimes a lot of the work that I do with my clients is on the the discipline to know when to stop, the discipline to know 
when it's time to stop fucking about with all the busy, meaningless shit that actually no one would even know if you're doing it or not doing it, only you, and actually take yourself off to do something meaningful towards your own well-being. And that's the second thing that I wanted to say in this episode is, it's like a follow-on from that first point that your expectations about what rest might feel like might be a bit squiff, might be a bit fucked, is the second thing is, therefore, practice. Therefore, I want you to practice the discomfort and hold in the discomfort of the things that might come up when you have the discipline to rest, to stop, to slow down, and to allow things to just be while you not do nothing, but while you rest. And if what comes up for you is guilt, if what comes up for you is the anxiety of the to-do list, if what comes up for you is the shoulds, I should be doing this and I should be doing that, my plea to you is practice allowing that. So what I'm essentially saying here is, at the beginning, sometimes rest might actually be you just allowing the shitty things to come up. And it's totally understandable why you wouldn't want to do that. But unfortunately, the only way is through. You know, unless you want to live a life of caffeine, popping the pill and doing all of the things to mask the fact that you are not well rested, then this is the only way is through. The only way is to practice. And I want to let you know that some of the things that I'm talking about here it's, this is some of the work that we practice inside the Inner Work Club, is actually recognizing the fundamental, basic, foundational things that might not be sexy. <laughs> they might not be sexy. They might not be the latest trend of EFT tapping or this or that, but they are the basic foundational things that make you thrive. I know for me, I am a person who does not do well on little sleep. I know for me, I am not the type of person who can fuck about with my sugar levels. As a woman in particular, I very much recognize the um, the significance, the correlation, the link between my uh, the things that I've consumed, my glucose levels, and how much I am attacked by my own hormones. <laughs> And how much, therefore, how much my work is hindered by that through my decision-making, through my ability to handle emotional um, ups and downs, the normal emotional ups and downs of life and business, you know? So what I'm saying here is this is serious stuff and I'm asking you to take it seriously and I'm asking you to set your, number one, set your expectations on what it'll be like. Number two, allow those things to come up and allow that to be normal at first and allow yourself to experience that, getting better over time, persist. And number three, and I'm going to wrap the episode up here, number three is you might be using someone else's version of rest. Now, what I've done for this this part of the episode is I've actually got up um, some prompts around the different types of rest. I didn't know before I researched into it that there were different types of rest. And apparently, according to science, there are actually seven types of rest. And what I think that we often do is we look to the way we've been brought up. So I know for me, uh, I didn't really have that many uh, role models around me of successful women who were well rested. 
Instead, I had role models of successful women who were always very, very, very busy. And therefore, I didn't really, I don't think that many of us, I'm referring to myself just to give you examples, but I don't really think many of us have have got that many examples of when we're growing up of people really practicing rest. Like, I'll give you an example. My husband, I've learned so much from him because he will, regardless of his conditioning as, you know, as he's been growing up, the difference in terms of the experiences we have of male and female and all, like all of those things put aside, what I recognize and what I've learned off him is he comes in and if he's had a tough day, he will say to me, I've had a really tough day. Is it okay? Do you mind if I take myself off for 10 minutes and do a guided meditation or just lie down on my own in silence for 10 minutes? And I want to let you know that from learning from him and from the work that I do and the responsibility that I have to my own clients, I've looked into the fact that there are different types of rest. And apparently, according to science, there are actually seven types of rest. So I've got a resource here. I'm just going to paraphrase from what I can see. Um, Seven types of rest include, um, so it talks about rest being a state of physical, emotional, mental relaxation that allows our bodies and minds to recover. Now, this is why I mentioned, um, I think it was either Greg McEwen's book, Essentialism or Effortless. It's one of the two. And in there, he talks about the how damaging it can be to not have the adequate amount of restoration and rest, um, like not having the amount of nourishment and rest being put back in than we're spending. And he, he makes really good points in these books around how damaging it can be to us short-term and long-term for actually spending more than we have energetically, right? Um, so it says here, I'm reading for an article, I'll link it in the show notes. It says here, rest is not a one-size-fits-all solution. According to Dr. Soundra Dalton-Smith, author of Sacred Rest, recover your life, renew your energy, restore your sanity. There are different types of rest that our bodies and minds need to function properly. Each type serves a unique purpose and helps us recharge and restore our energy levels. Understanding that there are seven types of rest can help us create a more balanced and fulfilling life. So they go on to say, I'm not going to read all of this, but they go on to say that there are seven types of rest. First one, physical rest taking a break from the physical activities that we think, and we we think that physical rest is just lying down or sitting, but it's not. Physical rest can be, um, says getting a massage, but I think like even just rubbing my own shoulders or taking or going for a walk or having a stretch or it's these little things like I think that when we build it up to be like, I must now book myself in for a massage, it can seem so fucking unobtainable. Whereas actually, it's just going for a walk around the block, you know, or having a stretch for five minutes, like rolling your neck a little bit. The second thing is mental rest. Mental rest, it says here, means taking a break from the constant mental stimulation that we face every day. We live in a world that's always on. It can be challenging to unplug and give our brains a break. Mental rest can include activities like turning off your phone, avoiding social media, practicing meditation. I want to let you all know that since about uh, the beginning of November this year, I've been charging my phone downstairs. And I want to let you know the level of resistance that I've, I've faced 
in charging my phone downstairs was something that I was quite shocked by. I didn't realize how dependent I was on just the habit of picking the phone up. And for no real reason other than it sparked a bit of dopamine and it was definitely a habit. And I would give loads of reasons like, oh, I need it for my alarm. I've got an Alexa in the room. I don't need it for my alarm. I've got a Lumi lamp that makes the room bright. I don't need it to wake me up. And I really have noticed a difference in my sleep quality, my ability to fall asleep at the beginning, and also not grabbing for my phone as soon as I wake up. It's it's sort of um, contributed to a nicer morning. And that nicer morning could be in terms of my creativity, if I'm sitting down to work, because I often do that. Like I find that that, that golden time, um, I know this isn't for everyone, but for me, I like to wake up around five, half five, get some work done before the world wakes up. And again, it's that discipline of practicing because that what that then means for me, as long as I stick to it, is I can finish work at 12 o'clock, one o'clock and go for a run or go to the gym or go and do whatever I fucking want. Doing whatever you fucking want can often be a form of rest, but it's sort of back to that thing that I read out of Discipline is Destiny. That's formed from the night before of the choice of actually charging my phone downstairs. It's a real... um it's a real act of discipline and also it's a real act of self-respect, you know? The third one that they point out is emotional rest. Emotional rest means taking a break from the emotional demands that we face every day. It can include spending time alone, avoiding stressful situations, talking to a friend, practicing self-care, journaling, spending time in nature. When I was a carer for my dad, and I think whenever we have a pretty emotional time in life, I think it is really important to know yourself. And I think on this particular point, it's really important to know what you need. And sometimes what you think you need isn't what you need. <laughs> so I am someone who I really do need time alone. I need solitude time. Like some people say to me, how do you work on your own? And I'm like, oh my God, I love working on my own. I would never want to go and work in an office now. And sometimes for me, I forget that yes, although I do need solitude and I do need time alone. Like if you were a fly on the wall in my house while I was cooking dinner, I will either be in complete silence or listening to Alexis French. I'll link Alexis French in the show notes because I keep saying I'm going to link this and I'm going to link that. Um, <laughs> I have to write it down, otherwise I'm going to forget it. And also I said about Greg McEwen's work as well, didn't I? Um, so yeah, I'll often be in silence or just with some piano classical music just because I need that time to process my feelings without, like I'm moving, I'm cooking, but I'm just processing. And I recognize that not everyone has that uh, privilege. Sometimes some of you have small children. And so a lot of this is advocating for yourself and letting your partner or your whoever is there around you to support you know that this is the kind of um, self-support, self-rest uh, that you need. But what I said before as well is like, sometimes what you think you need, you don't. I have to be really careful. There's a very fine line between taking that time in solitude that I know that I need and also letting my friends in. letting so Sometimes that emotional rest for me 
I feel like I need solitude when actually what I need is a friend to give me a hug and slap me around the face with a wet fish <laughs> you know, all at the same time. And therefore, I'm letting you know that sometimes we can fall into habits around rest where we feel like we need one thing and actually we're avoiding something that we really need, you know? Uh, so the fourth thing is sensory rest. Now, I am someone who has never been diagnosed with anything neurodivergent. However, I definitely have um, sensory needs. I don't know how else to put it. It says here, sensory rest means taking a break from the constant sensory input that we face every day. We get bombarded with noise, light, stimulus, stimuli all the time. It can be overwhelming. Sensory rest can include activities like turning off the TV, closing your eyes, spending time in a quiet room, taking a bath, listening to calm music, practicing deep breathing. Um, I actually do have a breathing exercise that I do. Again, I'm going to link it in the show notes. <laughs> um, but I really want to encourage you to try it out. Sensory rest for me definitely comes when I, I I get this feeling and it it's never at the beginning of a day. It's always around from four o'clock in the afternoon, evening onwards, where I get this feeling of like frazzled. That's, that, that's the only way I can explain it. Frazzled and a little bit irritated. And it's normally because I'm overstimulated. Like a baby, <laughs> I'm, I'm overstimulated and I need to reconnect back to my own body. That, that is exactly what sensory rest is. The fifth one is creative rest. Creative rest means taking a break from the constant creative demands that we face every day. We often feel like we should be constantly producing and creating, but this can be exhausting. Creative rest can include activities like taking a break from work, pursuing a hobby, engaging in a creative activity that doesn't have a productive outcome. Now, I've chosen to leave this particular point around like the different types of rest right until the end of the episode, simply because I wanted to point out that these are all lovely things. Like it says here, creative rest, take a break from work. What it fails to tell you is that might feel like shit <laughs> and there's good reason for it. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. You know, I think that if you can recognize and acknowledge all of this and take in a break and rest can sometimes mean taking a break from work, but replace it with something. Like, uh, I'm going to take a break from work for 20 minutes and I'm going to walk around the block with the dogs. That can, even though if you were to go on Instagram and type in, in fact, I'm going to do it while I'm recording now. I'm going to go onto Instagram. I'm going to go to the search function and I'm going to type in the word rest and I'm going to click search. And let me just see what it brings up. Okay, so it brings up, uh, it's, I can see people lying down in what looks like a sound bath. I can see, uh, there's Danielle Laporte talking about, what's she talking about? I don't know. I can see, um, just lots of, lots of videos of people who look like they're having a really restful time. That's what I can see. And it doesn't have to look like what you can see on Instagram. It doesn't have to look like something drastic, like going to a sound bath or going to yoga. Sometimes resting can actually be going for a run, going to the gym. Anyway, let me wrap this up. Number six is social rest. Taking a break from the social interactions of every day, spending time alone, uh, spending time with just close friends and family. I, I want to say there that I 
personally believe social rest can include spending time with people who you don't have to put on a show for. Like for me, it feels very nourishing to be around friends and family where I don't like, I cannot wear a bra. Like <laughs> you know, that's the that's the telltale sign. <laughs> Not wearing a bra. What about you? Think about it. Like when do you feel at your most um what's the word? Unguarded. When do you feel at your most at ease? That's the kind of social rest that we're talking about. And then the last one is spiritual rest. Spiritual rest means taking a break from the spiritual demands of every day. Uh, we face every day. It can include activities like praying, engaging in a spiritual practice you enjoy, spending time in nature, volunteering for a cause you care about. When we rest spiritually, we give ourselves the time to connect with our inner selves and find the meaning in our lives, which helps us stay grounded and fulfilled. Now, I want to say something on this one because I think that I wouldn't blame you for rolling your eyes at spiritual rest. I understand completely that journaling's not for everyone, just as I understand that meditation's not for everyone, including me, to be fair. What I want to say about something like journaling, so I'm not specifically here talking about journaling, I'm just saying spending time with your own thoughts, connecting to something that is greater than you, it it really is a requirement. And I I can't really explain this much more than that and like the importance of it apart from just letting you know that if you are avoiding that if you are avoiding the um the connection to yourself if you're avoiding the regular time to be with yourself you are miss you're genuinely missing out you're genuinely missing out because when we're able to just sit with ourselves be with ourselves. It builds self-trust. It builds self-respect. It builds that connection to the person that you are with constantly. You are with you at all times. And so people often like, when people come to my work, they say things like, you know, I really want to, I really want to like trust myself and keep my promises. And I'm like, cool, start with yourself start with you. You know, often what people mean when they say build self-trust and keep my promises, they mean to other people. And I'm like, yeah, no, it really does. It really does start with you. It really does start with you recognizing that when you give yourself the opportunity to, to know, like trust in yourself to stay still when it's time to stay still and move when it's time to move and have faith in yourself to know when the time is right for you to act and the time is right for you to be with yourself and concentrate on like be with yourself as in concentrate on speaking to yourself in loving ways concentrate on allowing the shitty thoughts to have the time and space to process do you see what i mean it's not all about journaling it's about whatever practice you choose but definitely do choose one if that looks like a friend of mine she goes on big long walks on her own with her headphones in but not really listening to anything and she's just allowing her thoughts to run free and during that time she she can't tell you what she's thought about and she's the same friend who will send herself voice notes, not to figure anything out or just to literally allow herself the space and the time to process her thoughts. So I hope that that's helped um, me explaining the seven types of rest. 
I also hope that it's helped me uh, positioning rest in a way that feels uh, reassuring. You know, let's have it right. We sometimes need that reassurance that if this is feeling difficult or sticky, you're not alone in that space. But it doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. Just because something feels uncomfortable doesn't mean it's misaligned. Just because something's uncomfortable doesn't mean it's not good for you. And that's a really important thing. You wouldn't go to the gym and not expect and to, you know, uh, improve your flexibility or mobility or strength and not expect that to feel uncomfortable, would you? The same is true for rest. So I hope that this has given you the motivation and the tips and tools that you need to go ahead and try and practice some rest in whichever ways are suitable for you. If you're listening to this around Christmas time, I want you to have these discussions with the people around you. Let them listen to this episode. Let them know that you are practicing rest. And if you're listening to this at any point in the year, I really hope it's given you a loving kick up the arse to treat yourself with reverence and respect to the one vessel that you get here on this planet, in this lifetime anyway. Whoops, there's my ring doorbell alarm going off, which tells me there's someone at my door. So I best be off. Um, this is coming out on the 21st of December. So if you celebrate Christmas, happy Christmas to you. I hope that you get all that you wish for. Have a beautiful time. And as always, please never forget, I am always cheering you on. And I really do hope that you are Christmas cheering yourself on too.